Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Business Design Podcast, we talk to our guests about how to build their business, how to think about their business, how to design their business. So I think it's really interesting in kind of thinking back about this interview we did with uh, Nina Cook. Some folks really are so well polished. She has her own podcast and they, they speak about what they do so often that um, they use language that is a lot like folks language, you know, in their industry. And with her, it was kind of removing the blocks um, or uh, what was it? The um, limiting beliefs. Right. And I think what was really beautiful about this interview is that towards the end, you'll hear when she starts talking about her kids and about kind of her real impetus for starting her business, I thought it was amazing how sort of fierce and different she sounded. And I think it's very interesting, Kent, that towards the end of the interview, in that section, we learn all about her own limiting beliefs and what those actually were. Very interesting stuff. So here's the interview. We think you'll have a good time listening to it. So grab some popcorn and uh, here we go. So Nina, wonderful to uh, see you and uh, also really nice to kind of see the color of, of your shirt today. So it, kind of a, a spring and summer vibe. Although it's not very spring-like or summer-like in the UK right now. Hence the importance of wearing nice bright clothes. <laughs> so really wonderful to to chat with you. And I think your your reputation precedes you a bit. You've done a lot of work with folks on kind of changing their mindset and um, kind of living into a new reality. So I wanted to just kick things off with this has been kind of a shit show this year. It really has. So where are you feeling like people are and where they where they should be headed? Well, it's interesting, as the pandemic started gathering pace, there did seem to be quite a lot of panic online. And there were all sorts of emails going out about, uh, you know, how we're going to manage our businesses and keep going. And I found that there were two, two different thinkings going on. One was this is going to be really difficult and I'm not sure how this is going to affect my business and I'm going to have to just wait and see what happens and I'm going to sit tight. And then there was another group of entrepreneurs who were pivoting very quickly and taking, seeing how they could attract an audience online in a different way to perhaps how they've been doing it before. So, for example, some friends of mine who, whose businesses were running face-to-face -face summits gathering huge groups of people together and then selling their programs face to face, they very quickly pivoted their business to online meetups, big online meetups. And several of them said they had their best ever events online. And that was struggling with technology, trying to get lots of big, you know, big group of people together, how they're going to arrange breakup rooms, get coaches to them online, etc. all of that stuff. And they have absolutely had a fantastic year. And I work with financial advisors and those who were able to have the, the mindset to start marketing online 
and know that they were able to meet prospects and turn them into clients by speaking to them online without having to speak to them face to face. They grew their business as well. And one of them in particular was using webinars very, very effectively, which is something that not many financial advisors were doing at the time. So some people saw great opportunities and other people saw great difficulties. So it really comes down to not what's going on out there, but your perception, your response to it. And the pandemic is not in our control. And the next big thing that hits us is not in our control. So trying to control stuff in our lives is never, ever going to work. and It's never going to make us happy. But always differentiating between the stuff that we can't control and things that we can control and how we can respond to it in a way that enhances not only ourselves, but also other people is what I help my clients to do to show them that they have choices, that they haven't, you know, cornered themselves without any options. It's really showing them they have more options on the table than they ever believed they had before. And then those options, they can choose them and decide intentionally what they want to create and which decision is going to get them there more quickly and effectively. The interesting thing about being an entrepreneur, and I think deep down, this is the reason why a lot of us choose it, is not only does it give us the freedom of flexibility when things are going well, but it also pits us against uncertainty. And life is uncertain because, as I said, we don't know what's coming around the corner. But, you know, if you have a job, a steady job, then you know that you're paycheck is going to be X amount next month and maybe three months, six months down the line. And you can plan with that. But being an entrepreneur is full of uncertainties. Every time we put out a marketing message, we launch something, we put out a webinar, we talk to a prospect. We have no idea what's on the other side of that action. So we, if we can trust the process, if we can trust ourselves and our decision-making and know that we're taking the making the best decision we can with the information we have we're doing our bit we're showing up we're implementing we put our stuff out there and then it's out of our control and then other people respond as and how they want to but we are in control of what we can do and we do that to the best of our ability and then we trust the process that it will deliver what we want maybe not in the way that we want it but it could be even even in a better way than we anticipated so for me it's Letting go of wanting to control everything and feeling that if we're in control, then that's the only way things work out. But doing our bit and then letting go of the rest of it. So I thought, um, Nina, I thought I'd stop procrastinating, but I figure I'll wait until next week. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me about procrastination. That is the key thing. This is what I come up again again and again with clients they know what they need to do they've got the skill sets but they just aren't doing it so why aren't they doing it when they know that if they were to take certain actions consistently in their business a lot of it involves outreach in some form if they were to link up with people introduce themselves catch up with ex-prospects, ex-clients, link up with collaborators, joint venture partners. They did that steadily. Say they did three to five outreaches a day, five days a week, that would be 25 outreaches. There would definitely be a good result from that. So why don't they do it? 
This is the classic question, Randy. We know we should be doing it. Why don't we do it? The reason we don't do it is often not the reason that we think, because often we just say, well, I'm lazy. Um, I'm not disciplined. I'm not uh, an effective communicator. I don't I just don't like doing this. I'd rather do something else. So I fiddle around the edges of my business. I convince myself I'm keeping busy. But we know deep down that's not making a big difference. It's fears. Because lazy, you're not being lazy. You know, you could be on social media. So you're still doing something. It's not laziness. It's not ill-disciplined. Any of that stuff. It's just because we're avoiding it for some reason. And one of my favorite questions that I like to ask my clients is, what is the downside of being more successful? Because we think we want to be successful. That's why we've we've struck out on our own. We've left our corporate world. But we often act in ways to make sure that we don't have all the success that we want. We sabotage ourselves all the time. So what is the downside of being successful? And downsides could include, well, my friends may not like it. I may lose valuable friendships. If I have all the success, I won't hold on to it. It's going to, it's going to be difficult to maintain it. I can't, I can't keep hold of money. So money slips through my fingers as fast as I make it. I lose it. So what's the point of trying to, you know, trying to do more? And there's also a part of it is I don't deserve more success. And this stuff is so deeply hidden. And there'll be other reasons as well. I have to work too hard. I don't want to work that hard to be that successful. If I have to work that hard, that means I spend less time away from my family doing other things. I'll lose my weekends. So these are deep down reasons, which often we don't even identify. And we just think, well, I, I just haven't got what it takes. Once you can identify those deep down reasons and If you're procrastinating, you will definitely have a reason. The reason is that if you were to be more successful, you would lose something in your life. When you can find that reason, that root cause, and you can see that it's a limiting belief, and then you can dissolve that limiting belief and replace it with a new powerful belief. If you can do that with all the root causes of procrastination, which you know in your subconscious, then automatically you will lose all the resistance to taking action and you will start to take action in your business. I've seen it happen time and time again. I worked with an insurance broker and he worked with me because he'd been trying for a long time to reach out to private equity prospects. And he just wasn't doing it and he had lots of reasons not to do it. We found his limiting beliefs they're smarter than me, they're Ivy League educated, I'm not, they're more successful than me, I hate rejection, they're not going to be interested in what I have to say. We found all these objections and we dissolved the limiting beliefs and after three sessions, he was reaching out to 10 a day. So with our sustained activity, of course, he's going to start making deals and building those strong relationships. Mm. So it does come down to figuring out why rather than beating yourself up or trying 
different methods to overcome procrastination. And some of them are very, very good. But if you're doing the Pomodoro method and you say, okay, I'm going to do three lots of 25 minute actions tomorrow, and you do the first one, then you leave your desk, you wander off, you lose track of time, you think, oh, I don't want to do the next one, I'm not going to do it. So it really is finding out the root causes, dealing with those, dissolving those, and then starting to take action. The other thing that I've found which stops people taking action, you know, marketing themselves, is that they don't like (laughs) the strategy that their coach has taught them. So the strategy may work brilliantly for their coach. It may be fully aligned for their coach, but that client then tries the strategy and they don't don't like doing it. Maybe they don't like creating webinars. Maybe they don't like um, using LinkedIn. So I, I always say to my clients, find a strategy that plays to your strengths that you're going to really enjoy doing. And when you find that strategy, you will be more likely to do it. And my own example is um, I had a coach and I wanted to launch a mastermind and she had successfully launched mastermind. So I thought, okay, she walks her talk. She knows what she's doing. She gave me this strategy and it was so complicated. There were so many steps to it. I had to create several webinars, several lead magnets. I had to write hundreds of emails. And I hated doing each and every one of those steps. It was just too much for me. It was too techy for me. And I didn't get a good result when I launched my mastermind. I think I've got about three signups. And then I launched my mastermind. I worked with another coach and she said, I've got a very simple method. All you have to do is send out three emails to your list. And I thought, I like sending emails to my list. I can do that. I sent out three emails to ask people to put up their hands if they wanted to get more clients with less stress. 40 people raised their hands. And from those 40 people, I filled my mastermind. So that's the other nugget for me to overcome procrastination is find a strategy that you will enjoy doing that feels aligned for you. Cool. So you've been doing this for seven years, helping people make more money. You've got some really good testimonials on there. What's your biggest financial success in terms of you know your client that's had the most success? Uh, My biggest financial success in terms of clients is a guy called Rob. And I started working with Rob. He's a business coach. And I started working with him probably back in about 2016, 2017. And at the time, he was, he shares his numbers very freely. So I'm not um, breaking any confidence. He was bringing in maybe about 20K a month or so, but he knew that he could be doing more. He'd sort of plateaued at that amount. So we worked together and he had a limiting belief. I can't remember what it was. I could have been something like, I don't matter, which seems very, you know, just three little words. And when he dissolved that limiting belief, the next month, from what I can remember, he got 30% lift in his income. And the month after that went up 50%, etc. So he had a huge lift in his income. And I think it went up to around 70K a month with our work. Last year, 2020, the beginning of last year, he hired me again because he wanted to hit the seven-figure mark in his business. And we worked together through the year. And in January this year, he sent me an email and he said he'd achieved his goal. And he'd achieved his goal. And it wasn't just about the money. It was about his the amount of time he spent in his business. It was about spending more time with his family, more quality time with his family as well, and bringing on a team. 
and being able to work on the bigger picture in his business. So, you know, we've been working together consistently. He's hired me again this year for another big goal. So it's working together consistently to make sure that as, you know, he hits the new level in his business, as more limiting beliefs pop up at that level, he's then able to just dissolve those beliefs before they become big, massive blocks. And, you know, that keep him stuck for months. He's able to dissolve them and then move on to the next level and the next level, etc. You said you, uh, I help my clients to make more money, but making more money on its own doesn't make anyone happy. It's what goes with it. It's the self-confidence. It's, you know, the ease with how you accomplish things. It's um, better relationships. It's, you know, having a big, exciting vision is about everything. It's about every aspect of your life. So what, uh, what makes you different than kind of all the other coaches out there? If I drill a little bit down on that question too, if I say, I actually don't notice, I, I love the things you're saying, but I don't feel the difference between you and kind of things I've heard from others. So I'm really interested in, you know, almost what your grandparent or your teacher or one of your friends early in life sort of saw in you what you then cultivated and saw in yourself there's there's something about you that makes it possible for you to see the good in other people but what is it in you that makes you different um sort of your your i like to call it you know spider skill you know as part of your origin story if you were a superhero what is it that makes you unique and different and able to kind of see into other people well i'm always after the truth I'm always after the truth about what people, I like to differentiate between what people believe is the truth about themselves and what actually is the truth. And when we have our limiting beliefs, we hold them very dear and very close to us. To us, And we think, well, that's my identity. This is who I am. And that's how I am. And that's just how it is. And I can't change that. But they're not seeing the truth about themselves. What they're seeing are lies that they have, made up about themselves and they live their lives according to these lies they make their decisions based on these lies they they pull themselves back they play small according to them they don't put themselves you know um, out there in terms of their business because they think well people aren't going to be interested in what i have to say so when when was the first time you were able to kind of perceive someone else and kind of how they were surrounded by their lies and so on what what when did that happen kind of early in your life? When could you sort of see through that? Well, it actually happened quite late in my life. It happened when I had young children and I used to watch them play and interact and they would just have this lovely natural self-confidence. And I didn't have that. I grew up feeling that the only way to survive was to hide and not have anyone have any attention, put any attention on me because I'd always... I'd be in trouble if I was, you know, seen. So for me, it was not being noticed, keeping a very low profile, being as invisible as possible, because otherwise I would be in trouble. So from my childhood, I formed all these limiting beliefs about myself. And watching my children with their lovely natural self-confidence, I realized that I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be a role model, not pretending to be confident and faking it as I'd done all my life, but to actually 
be that role model and have and interact with people like that and feel it, really feel it authentically. And so I started doing a lot of personal development work. I was determined to fix myself because I thought, well, I'm broken. And I realized I was never broken. I was just buying into a load of rubbish about myself. And I, I did lots of training, lots of courses, tried lots of different things. And most of them didn't really stick they gave me permanent relief, but not the, they gave me temporary relief, but not the permanent relief I was after. And one day I received an email from a, from a friend and she said, you're interested in this limiting belief stuff. And, and I followed the trail of this email and it led me to a guy called Morty Lefko, who's since passed away. And I remember um, speaking to him and he said, the only reason you feel like this about yourself, you know, you feel you're not good enough is because you believe you're limiting beliefs about yourself. And I thought, okay, well, I've heard this stuff before, but, you know, I, I, I don't think this is going to work. And I started dissolving limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs around my self-esteem. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm unlovable. I'm not important. I don't matter. I had lots of them. And we would measure them out of 10. And most of them would be eights, nines, tens. And I thought, I will never be able to fix this. I've got so much of this stuff. And, you know, after dissolving my limiting beliefs, I remember one day I was running a personal shopping business, my previous business, and I, I never used to put out videos or show myself publicly. I didn't have a photo of myself on my website. I, I, I don't know if I had my name on my website. I was just so lacking in confidence and so unsure of myself that I just always wanted to hide. And I remember thinking one day, I'm going to put out a video after I'd done some work with Morty. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't feel any resistance to it. And I was so aware of this. And I put out a video. And it wasn't a great video. The audio wasn't great, etc. But it was good enough. And I remember thinking, that was easy. I could do that. And that's when I realized that things had really shifted for me, that I was able to take that action, which I'd never been able to take before. And after dissolving so many of my self-esteem beliefs, success blocks, money blocks, the business I have now, I would never have got it to this level without all the inner work that I've done. And it has been transformative for me. And when I released my own limiting beliefs and that personal shopping business started to grow significantly I thought okay this is what I want to do I want to work with entrepreneurs to help them to remove their unproductive thoughts and replace them with productive thoughts because when you have productive thoughts you are in a position to make some great decisions about your business nothing it's not all going to work you're going to make mistakes you know you're going to learn from your mistakes but you'll become very resilient and you'll become someone with a vision that you believe you can achieve. And that brings a lot of fun into the, having a business and it makes it very fulfilling. And when things go wrong, you are able to pick yourself back up very quickly and say, okay, I can learn from that and I can move on. And that for me was what changed everything. Cool. Well, Nina, we like to keep these, uh, these podcasts relatively short and punchy. So really appreciate everything you've told us about limiting beliefs and about your story. That's awesome. How can people reach you and what sort of people are you looking to work with? Well, I love working with coaches. I love working with financial experts. 
and I've worked with people in wide range of industries. And the best way for people to reach me is I've created a a millionaire mindset scorecard because many people don't know what their limiting beliefs are. And this scorecard lets you gives you a set of limiting beliefs around success and self-esteem and money. And you can score yourself on these limiting beliefs out of 10. So you can see where your mind blocks are. You can see the specific mind blocks that you have. And then you get analysis on the scorecard and also how you can start dissolving these these limiting beliefs as well. So it's very comprehensive. It comes with a video, shows you, talks you through it. And the URL for that is ninacook.co.uk forward slash scorecard. Such a such a pleasure talking with you, Nina. Um, particularly for me, I loved the beautiful moment that you said your your kids helped you to point in the other direction and really reframe everything. That was a a beautiful point in the story. Um, and I hope folks go and take your challenge, the scorecard. I think I love simple assessments. We've got one of those ourselves. Uh, save people some time and and you know think about important stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed it. You be you asked some amazing questions, so thank you. So thank you, Nina. It's always interesting when we speak with folk who understand the issues surrounding limiting beliefs, surrounding procrastination, surrounding the reasons people do not achieve what they wish to achieve. Yeah, and speaking of achieving what you want to achieve, you can come visit us online at thoughtpartnergroup.com and um, find out some more about us. And there's a... um, a little tiny button at the top of the page. It's easy to click on and easy to fill out the, the simple assessment, which might actually challenge your limiting beliefs. So fill it out. Spend a minute of your time. We'll spend a minute of our time looking at it and sending a response. And if you get some enjoyment or some knowledge or just some love from listening to these podcasts, please click the subscribe button below and maybe even leave a comment and tell us what you think. That's about it. 